0: Well, good morning. Morning, morning. Oh, come on. Good morning. morning. That's what I thought. It is so good to be with you all uh, this wonderful morning um, right after a wonderful Christmas. How many of you all had a good, good Christmas? Yeah? Yeah? Good. Amen, full of family, friends, Um, shared this a couple weeks ago, um, and just kind of curious how Christmas was at your house and your family. Um, For some of us, Christmas, well, is just kind of simple, right? We don't like to do it over the top. We just like to keep it very simple right with this first picture you know we uh, put maybe a strand of lights on the house and that's about it you know we just kind of keep everything just easy but then there's others of you who go a little bit overboard right with your decoration and your holiday cheer Um, but we won't we won't hold it against you for others Like in my house, when I was growing up, um, things were very pristine, very neat, orderly, and everything had its place. My mom taught us how to wrap presents, and all the presents had all the edges creased. Anybody? Anybody? Edges? Yeah, there you go. The the edges are all creased and night and and perfect, Uh, but it always baffles me that everything looks so pristine the night before, and then this next picture, it looks like this, right? Where things just get a little out of hand, right? A little crazy. Well, this morning, regardless of where you have been or with your family, we're going to talk about things that may have gotten a little bit out of hand, things that are a little unorderly. As we look at the days or the day right after the birth of Jesus. Now, obviously, yesterday we, we had Christmas, uh, December 25th, and it was a wonderful occasion. But it always um, interests me what happens after the big events. After all the family has gone away, after everybody is kind of, back to their routine things just kind of get ordinary things just happen and so I think for us many times we will we will look at the beautiful miracle of Jesus and how he comes into this world unexpectedly As prophets would would foretell about the Savior, Emmanuel, coming to this world to save us. They thought of a king riding in on a white, beautiful stallion, but he comes by way of a manger to take the throne back as he makes his way in a stable. So many things that we kind of expect things to happen sometimes don't always end up like they do. And so today we're going to look at a fellow that scripture doesn't have any words from. We're going to look at an individual who actually plays an important role, a very significant role in Scripture, but we don't hear from him. We expect a figure like this to have something to say, but Scripture has nothing to say from this individual. This individual that we're going to be looking at this morning is Joseph. Joseph, the earthly father of of Jesus? What would he have to say to us? What would his perspective be as he would be tasked to raise up the Savior of the world? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered what Joseph would have said? Well, we're going to look at a video done by um, I'm sure somebody who you know, Phil Smith, um, who is a dear friend of mine, a mentor of mine. Um, He has um, a series on the internet called Eyewitness uh, Bible Project. If you want to look up more videos from uh, Brother Smith, uh, you can find it at Eyewitness Bible uh, Project. Um, But at, at the park, Church of Christ, we are in this series called Eyewitness. And what we're doing is we're looking at and hearing from people that we don't really hear from in the scripture, in the word. But it's very interesting, the perspectives that that we see. And so today we are going to get the perspective of Joseph, the father of Jesus. Let's take a look.
1: It's been three months. Three very long months. My soon-to-be wife and her mother left town without any warning, or so much as a goodbye. Now they are finally returning after being gone for three months. They've been to see a cousin who, in her old age, is miraculously having a child. It's a big deal. I understand, of course. Mary had to go, but now she's coming back. I'm very excited. Our, our whole village is excited. None of us can wait to see her. Them.
0: <laughs> the Bible does not record any words of Joseph. However, from the scriptures, we do know this. When God asked him to do something, Joseph did it immediately and with complete faith in God.
1: It said that the angel foretold the birth to Elizabeth's husband in a dream. An angel telling your future in a dream, especially something as impossible for them as having a baby, as specific as a boy and as detailed as the name. I heard that her husband didn't believe the angel. I decided to wait in my workshop and be productive. How amazing would it be to have a son to share my craft give him a tiny chisel, show him how to use a piece of lava rock to smooth door frames, watch him drag rocks to me to shape for a cornerstone. As he grows stronger, the stones will get bigger and bigger. And when I get old and my eyesight goes, I will turn my business over to him. He will take care of Mary and me in our old age. I wait and wait and wait. What's the hold up? Some neighbors went by earlier, chattering, but that couldn't have been about Mary's return. She would have caused a joyous celebration. I wait until noon. I walk to Mary's house to ask her father what has happened. I'm a little frantic thinking about it, two women traveling. The saddest man I have ever seen comes to the door. He's not surprised to see me. He just stands there. After an eternity, he motions me inside. Mary and her mother are sitting. Her mother is crying. Mary? Smiling. I sit and wait to understand to make sense of it all. Mary's father tells me this preposterous story. Doesn't spare any details. Bottom line? Mary is three months pregnant. I can't say a word. I can hardly breathe. Then, of all things, Mary repeats the same story, almost word for word. But when she tells it, she's smiling. The most serene, contented smile you've ever seen. She's so beautiful. Innocent, full of life. She finishes and looks at me with a look. She loves me. The future crashes into the present. Joseph, we have a son, his name is Jesus. She stands, clearly pregnant. Her child is not mine. Without a word, I stand and walk out the door. The whole village knows. Friends, neighbors watch me, pity me. They wait for me to gather them together in the twilight and admit that the child is mine. Or to ask for them to join me in stoning Mary. i review all of the laws of Moses. Was it fornication or adultery? I don't know. I don't care. I want to follow the laws in this matter as I have all the things in my life. At the same time, I want to have mercy on Mary No matter what has happened I love her I will agree with Mary's father To have an amicable, quiet divorce The rabbi will be thrilled To have a conflict-free resolution If I don't ask for her To be stoned to death Nobody else will either I will move to another town And look for another wife Finally, I'm not off. Son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because she has become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. An angel appears to me in a dream. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I bolt out of bed, the words of the prophet Isaiah flooding my mind. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will name him God with us. I have no fear of obeying the Lord completely and immediately. It's just before dawn. I make my way through the quiet streets of Nazareth. I'll wait outside until they wake. A light is already flickering through the cracks in the window shades. Guess they didn't sleep much last night either. Mary's father appears at the door, haggard. It looks like he's aged 10 years overnight. He's been waiting for my knock. I ask to come in, I smile. He pokes his head out the door and looks both ways, probably looking for the angry mob he was certain would be accompanying me. I waltz right by him and into the house. It's a replay of last night, her mother sitting in disgrace Mary, smiling. I tell them my dream. Within minutes, we agree to the next course of action. Her father and I change our marriage contract so as to be completed today. I follow the angel's instructions completely. By mid-morning, we are quietly married by the rabbi. By noon, Mary has moved into my house as my wife few of the self-righteous people in Nazareth are disappointed that Mary is not stoned. If Mary gets away with this, what would the other women think they can get away with? But since I don't charge Mary with adultery, nobody else will either. Words are said, glances exchanged, but the scandal goes away rather quietly, at least for a while. Gossip will increase with the size of Mary's belly. By the time of the delivery, the village will be vicious. I pray and plan and save money. If only Mary and I could somehow find a reason to leave Nazareth before our son is born. But we will not do it with an attitude of fear or with disbelief in God. That would not do him honor. Honestly, I wouldn't mind if Gabriel was to come talk to me again.
0: I love that perspective I love the perspective that we see from Joseph one who we we don't really get anything in fact nothing from scripture actually I had I believe has a a wonderful perspective to share with us today notice here in Matthew chapter 1 verse 24 it says this when Joseph woke up What he mentioned earlier, he said, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? Once he woke up, he did what the Lord had told him. So many times as we, as we see this story unfold year after year after year, I think we overlook what happens right after. That Joseph has an important role and a message for us today that the journey after the miracle is as important as the miracle itself. That we have to understand that we, as we partake of this miracle that we too have an important role to undertake. And so for us, we have to understand that um, there, was, there was some things that Joseph and Mary had to endure. As he mentioned in the video, as, as pregnancy would, uh, would go on, so would the scrutiny. So would the, the, uh, the affliction, the scoffing, the second, third, disgusted look after the other. Imagine what Joseph and Mary had to undergo by bringing in the savior of the world. But then the miracle came. There in the little town of Bethlehem, Jesus was born and the Magi came, and the, the shepherds came from, from uh, a little ways off to see the miracle. Isn't it interesting how in our homes, when we celebrate Christmas, we prepare for so long for that special moment. And then friends and family and loved ones come to experience the miracle, the experience The beauty of Jesus in family. But what happens hours after? They all leave. They all leave. What happens after the miracle? So, we're gonna look at what happens after the miracle and the journey therein. Uh, Turn with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 13. Matthew 2, 13 says this. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph yet again in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave order to kill all the boys in Bethlehem. Then, when he was said through the prophet Jeremiah, it was fulfilled, a voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be conformed because they are no more. Isn't it interesting that right after the miracle, a happy, beautiful time, such tragedy and devastation ensued. What, what happened to Joseph? What happened to Mary? What did they do during this time? I think there's three points that we can draw from this story alone that we can apply to our lives as we get to carry out the miracle of Jesus. Point number one, the journey after the miracle takes responsibility. The journey after the miracle takes responsibility. As many of you know, um, Katie and I, about 18 months ago, got to uh, bring in a beautiful gift. And her name is Jada. I'm sure you heard her in the, in the video. Not from the video, from back there. Um, she has a lot to say nowadays. Um, mostly unrecognizable, but she has a lot to say. And she'll let you know. But 18 months ago, God blessed us with a beautiful baby daughter. And I'll tell you, and I'm kind of speaking and preaching to the choir as I'm looking out, most of you have had children or know what that's like. There's no handbook for raising children. And as beautiful as it is, as wonderful as raising our daughter has been, there has been a lot of um, guessing. (laughs) And a lot of trial and error. But I remember as if it was yesterday. This was three weeks after uh, this picture was taken. That's me and and my beautiful daughter there. Three weeks after um, we brought Jada into this world. We were all fast asleep. Um, My my. My mom and, and then Katie's mom and uh, different people got to come in and out helping us raise uh, Jada and, and kind of getting into routine. But three weeks, kind of that kind of fizzled out. And it was just Katie and I and our baby. And three weeks after she was born, I woke up in a panic. In a panic and in a sweat, just kind of, I mean, Katie was fast asleep. Jada was asleep in in her little bassinet. They didn't know this was happening, but I sure did. I woke up in a panic. And this overwhelming feeling of if anybody came into my house right now, they would not be leaving or leaving happily. And I say that jokingly, but I was serious, that this overwhelming feeling of responsibility overtook me and it was at that moment that I, I realized that, wow, this, this, father ta- this father thing, it's serious. I'm responsible for another human being. What am I going to do? The responsibility. You and I have a responsibility. We've been given this miracle. We've been given Jesus, the Savior of the world. But yet, so many times after the miracle, we do nothing with it. We do nothing about it. We clean up Christmas and then we get ready for a new year. Rinse and repeat. This year, I want to encourage us to take a different perspective into 2022, that you and I, after the miracle, have a responsibility here on this earth. We have a responsibility to tell everyone about the Savior of the world. We have a responsibility. Unlike what... Raising a child is, there's no handbook. We have the best handbook there is, and it's called the Bible. And I hope and pray that as we have this handbook, that you and I can take the responsibility to, as the, as the commission would tell us, to as many people as possible. That there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We have an amazing responsibility. But going back, going back to, to Joseph and referencing here in Matthew two thirteen, where where he is commissioned to take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. What responsibility did it take for Joseph to take them from where they were in um, where they were to Egypt? To Bethlehem from, from Bethlehem to Egypt. Joseph could have been or have taken a different perspective, couldn't he? He could have, like, maybe Jamie, taken this selfish perspective as the baby was born, knowing how the baby came into this world, then taking a step back and go, "You know what? This ain't my baby, and I really don't have to do this." I mean, before we even get married, right? All the scrutiny and all the the shame that ensued. You know what? I I don't have to take this anymore. I could just pack up and leave, and as the video said, I could go and find another wife, one without all of this commotion. But is that what Joseph did? Joseph took responsibility. We see this time and time again throughout Scripture. However. Joseph, in his responsibility, he knew that he was, number one, responsible to God. Number two, that he was responsible to his wife. And now he was responsible for raising the Savior of the world. We, too, have a responsibility to God and to our loved ones and for the Savior of the world. So other than the responsibility it took, number two, the journey after the miracle takes obedience. So yes, we have the responsibility for Christ and to share to as many people as possible, but two, we have to be obedient to the world because we are examples to the world. We have to be obedient. Notice here in verse 14, I love this. And and so many times, these little bitty phrases, we can kind of skim over very quickly. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left to Egypt. Was there any grumbling? We don't know. Was there any second guessing? We don't know. Was there any trip planning? We don't know. All we know is we see Joseph being obedient. So he got up. In case you're wondering, however, what was the trip from uh, Bethlehem to Egypt? Well, this trip from Bethlehem, Nazareth to uh, Egypt was 106 miles how many of you guys want to wake up tomorrow and walk 106 miles not me but yet we see here without second guessing without questioning God Joseph got up and he started on the journey because he was told to So he got up with his wife, Mary, and his newborn baby, and he set off for 106 miles, 170 kilometers. That would take almost four days in travel, by foot or buggy or donkey. Four days without any grumble. What would you do? Would you have to plan the trip accordingly? Would you have to pack your bag, make sure you had everything? Or would you be like Joseph and immediately get up and go? This holy family of Mary, Joseph, and the baby set off to Egypt seeking refuge because Herod was out to kill him and he was told to flee he is informed of of this because of of Herod and uh, Herod the great will soon uh, issue that all not not just a couple but all men all babies firstborn would be killed but that didn't really scare joseph because he was obedient He was obedient to God, and he set off for the journey. Matthew Matthew 2, 19 through 23, it says this, After Herod died, an angel of our Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take your child and his mother, and go to the land of Egypt. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that um, Archelaus was, was reigning in Judea in the place of his father, he was afraid to go there. So what was it? that motivated Joseph? What was it that caused Joseph to endure? Not only one trip, but then, moments later, after Herod uh, had died, would then turn around and then go back, obedience. Obedience, responsibility, we see through Joseph, speaking loud and clear, though not speaking at all in scripture. We too have a responsibility to be obedient. Time and time and time again, God is telling us, encouraging us to go out and spread the good news. And we have to be obedient to that call. How many of us have neighbors, have coworkers? have relatives that don't know the name of Jesus. Are we obedient? Are we obedient like Joseph that no questions asked, no matter what scrutiny, no matter what pain, no matter what shame may come my way, because it definitely isn't popular to say the name of Jesus. I'm going to share that name. I'm going to speak of this miracle. Not only what, what the miracle done once, but what it continues to do in me each and every day. Can we obedi- be obedient like that? Can we be obedient? That as the uh, reference in in Paul's letter, uh, uh, Philippians 2, that that Jesus would also be obedient. He would be obedient to death, even death on a cross. Regardless of what would come his way, regardless of what pain and sorrow, he would endure it for the sake of you. And if he would go through such scrutiny and pain for you, do you think he would do that for your neighbor, too? Do you think he would do that for a relative that you don't really talk to because, well, we're not going to go there? (laughs) Them, too. Them, too. So number one, we talked about that the journey after the miracle comes responsibility. The journey after the miracle takes obedience. And number three, the journey after the miracle comes true sacrifice. Look with me over in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, 22 through 24. Luke, 22, Luke 2, 22 through 24. When the time had come... For the purification right um, required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law law of the Lord that the first male is to be um, circumcised to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping um, with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of dove and two young pigeons were sacrificed. So we, the, we see these sacrifice on what Moses had decreed as part of what you do in raising up a child, a male. Did you know that that sacrifice was being prepared as well? When Jesus was born, a sacrifice was being prepared. For 30 years, a sacrifice had been prepared and matured to be sacrificed. I love the, the song, um, Angels we have heard on high. You guys know this, and especially around this time. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing over the plains. Oh, the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. But then here, shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? What the gladsome tidings be which inspired your heavenly song? What's very interesting here is the setting of of this song actually has to do with the shepherds. We we were in a series um, on Wednesday, and and, um, one of our education ministers talked about this very song. And he talked about how the shepherds weren't that far off. In fact, by the temple, there were pastures um, of sheep. And they were special, special sheep unblemished, white as snow, and when one of them would have a newborn male, they, before it would hit the ground, they would catch this sheep, wrap it up in linen, and then they would carry it to a, a stone-like contraption. They would keep it until the time for sacrifice. Do you know what this was called? Manger a manger and it was this special device created made out of stone carefully carved to where it would keep the lamb snug and tight wrapped in linen so that it wouldn't hurt itself so that it would be unblemished so that it wouldn't um it wouldn't injure itself it would keep it safe why would they do this because they were preparing it for sacrifice. Don't we see the parallel now of what happened to Jesus? Jesus would come and he would be wrapped in linen and he was laid in place lying in a manger. Why? Why would the shepherds be so um, ecstatic and in jubilation because of this Savior to be born? Because that would be the sacrifice of once and for all for sin. And so baby Jesus was laid in a manger, cared for, nurtured for over 30 years by Mary and Joseph so that he could be prepared to be a sacrifice for you and me. We too have a sacrifice. We too have things that we have to protect, that we have to nurture, and we have to get ready to share the name of Jesus. That we have a sacrifice, a daily sacrifice, don't we? That we have to lay down our life for Christ. The true sacrifice comes every morning. That whoever wants to be my disciple, Jesus would say, would deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow me. We too have a sacrifice. So what is it going to take? What is it going to take for you and me to assume the responsibility of the gospel, to be obedient to the gospel, to apply it to my life as an example to others, so to prepare for the sacrifice that was given to us for you and me? We get the opportunity to prepare, to nurture the sacrifice of this world for the for forgiveness of our sin. So uh, what, what must we do? What must we do to take that responsibility, to be obedient and to take up the sacrifice? As we prepare for this new year, what is needed to sacrifice in your life? the true sacrifice to get ready for the blood of Jesus, which washes us clean and as white as snow. What must we do to prepare for this miracle? If there's anything that we could do here at at this church or if you need someone to talk to, please, please don't hesitate. Don't wait a second as we stand and as we sing.